From a cozy sound booth in downtown Chicago, it's the American Soccer Show. Eric Alcantara here with Emma McConnell, here to talk all things soccer in America. A change in our schedules has pushed us onto Wednesdays. I think we'll manage. But Emmett, are you excited to see me on hump day rather than dreary day? I'm only here because this is how our schedules forced us to be. That said, it is quite a busy day today. Oh my goodness. I uh, There's so much to talk about. We just, we just watched Real Madrid and Juventus game wrap up. I'd say let's not waste any time. Oh, yeah, let's come on, hurry up, let's get into it. Get another <laughs> class after this. Uh, yeah, busy, that's true. busy. That's true. That's also true. Uh, we're going to start with a discussion on everyone's favorite debatable topic, VAR. In Saturday's game between Atlanta United and LAFC, Chris McCann went in for a challenge on Benny Fellhaber, and he got a straight red from the official less than a minute into the game. And after the video review, McCann was brought back into the game and given a yellow instead. I want to ask you, was it the right call, and how do you feel about VAR in these types of situations? I thought it was the perfect use of VAR. If you hadn't had, like, an ad for it, that would be it. Like, you're just like, yeah, watch the first minute of the Atlanta LAFC game. Huge, highly touted game. Two newish teams trying to step, you know, put out a new style in the MLS. Red card immediately. Oh. And it wasn't a red card for me. I, the yellow was a right yeah. call. So being able to, like, go back. And when I saw the red, I was like, oh, this game. I hate to say this, but it kind of ruins the game. It, it, it would have ruined the game. Well, I don't know. I mean, it, maybe ruin is the wrong word, but it would have changed the whole dynamic of the game because Atlanta would have been down to 10 men. They're pretty short on defensive players as it is because of the injury to yeah. Gonzalez Perez and uh, not the, I'm sorry, the suspension for Perez and the injury to Greg Garza. And uh, I hear he's back in training, but still they're going to need him. They'd have to miss him for another game. Um, but. And, of course, the scoreline would have ended up a little bit different, I think, if they had gotten <laughs> well, I don't know about 5 nothing, but who knows if they would have been able to pull it out. I'm with you. I think it was the right call. I think this is exactly what VAR was brought in to do to because that's a game-altering call. 50 seconds into the match, and we had a game-altering decision made. I'm, I'm okay with the decision. As far as I'm concerned, it's a yellow card challenge, and I think you should get a second yellow for the stupidity of it. What are you doing making that challenge right away? less than a minute into the game? I, I think it looked worse because Benny Fellhaber didn't see it coming. And he kind of gets blindsided. McCann also kind of lifts up with his arms and legs and pushes Failhaber over him and kind of elevates him more, makes it look worse. Yeah. So it's yellow card. The thing is, the red, I wouldn't fault the ref for doing that right away. It looked brutal. Yeah. It looked like a hard challenge, uh, which is what, which what VAR is good for. It's like, yeah, of course, refs are going to make mistakes when they hate him for it. But this is a case where, you know, Atlanta fans might hate him for it, but I, it was the right call to bring it back. Uh, okay, so on to the actual game. Atlanta United does go on to win this one 5 nothing. It's the first time LAFC have failed to score this season, so Atlanta United will forever hold the title of first team to shut out LAFC, which uh, strikes me as actually kind of a bit of an accomplishment to this point in the season because they've been kind of scoring goals at will. I, I think it's time. I think it's time that Bob Bradley listened to me and drop one of his attacking players. And in, in my opinion, it probably would have to be Latif Blessing and play another man in the midfield. I, I don't know that they necessarily have the perfect player for this right now because, you know, Andre Horta will not be coming until the summer. Eduardo Atuesta still not 100% ready to go for a full 90 minutes. I just think they lack a lot of physicality in the team. There's, they don't really have anybody that's putting in the hard challenges. I mean, we saw the guy that's sort of the enforcer of the team by default, Benny Philhaber, get absolutely run over less than a minute into the game. So that kind of tells you where they are right now. I think it happened to them last week. They got punked a little bit by the Galaxy's midfield. And here again, Atlanta United was able to take advantage. They made a lot of physical plays. And, you know, a team that has a lot of finesse in LAFC can sometimes fall victim to that. So the best way to counter it, I think, would just be another body. You, you need, I, there, I think we said this in the beginning. They need another midfielder. Yeah. They need a, a pure midfielder, maybe a box-to-box guy. Just maybe someone. Maybe a defensive guy. Listen, Failhaber is more of an attacking midfielder. I mean, you're playing someone like Vela as your other midfielder, as your attacking player. He's going to drift to the wings. He's going to run the channels. He's not going to come back and play defense. Nor should he. No, because that's not that's not what it is. It's, it, so yeah. it ends up being a, a two-man midfield. They they almost seem to play a four-two-four, and Failhaber yes. has a lot in his shoulders to help out his uh, his his midfield partner uh, Kay there. So think they need someone there, and then they can push him up. And I think he could be the replacement for Blessing, put Vale on the wing. The, the midfield, I think, they definitely need to beef up that midfield a little bit. I think so, too. I mean, and again, like I said, you know, Andre Horta will come into this team. I, I, I'm not sure, again, he's exactly the answer for physicality, but just him being there, his presence might be enough to get away with not having, you know, a pure midfielder who does put in a hard challenge every now and again just to, 
kind of keep the offenses honest because, again, teams are starting to kind of find these holes. You know, John Machino, for as talented as he is, it's very clear to me that this is still very much uh, a growing and a a tough growing process for him. He's had some growing pains. He's still, he looks small compared to other people. Talk about physicality. That's that's another person who's going to have to beef up and get stronger because the Atlanta game and the LA Galaxy game, he both kind of, you know, got a lot muscled. Yeah, they have been. So uh, since scoring that third goal in the El Trafico, they have been outscored 9 nothing. Of course, the, the big comeback by the LA Galaxy led, to, led by Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and now just a 5 nothing drubbing in Atlanta. I, I want to give Atlanta credit. They played well. I think it's... I think that another thing is, I think it's going showing how hard it is for teams to go to Atlanta and play. I, this new system, ever since they kind of got uh, beat up on opening day by the Houston Dynamo, we've seen that even with the aforementioned suspension of Gonzalez Perez and the injury to Greg Garza, their new system just seems to be chugging along just fine. Ambrose goes in at left wing back. The 3-4-1-2 uh, is kind of getting the best out of all his players right now. So Tata Martino deserves credit for that as well. Yeah, and it's... I mean, you talk about the midfield, he's, you think about how many people he has stacked to the midfield there. Two forwards, an attacking mid, two defensive mids, and three center backs. So, I mean, the guys, let's be honest, Martino is a, is a, is a, tactical, a tactical coach, and he got the better out of Bob Bradley here, I would say. is probably a little bit weaker tactically, but has been relying on some of his stronger players to get moments of brilliance. Yeah, uh, this game was two nothing. This was not, you know, maybe the drubbing that five nothing makes it seem like. It, it, like I said, Atlanta absolutely deserves to be the winner here, and absolutely deserves to have the score sheet reflect that they were the better team. But it was two nothing heading game day, heading into the eighty seventh minute when things kind of just fell apart for LAFC, and that sort of seems to be happening to them a lot. It, it seems like they perhaps might have an issue with conceding and then not being able to refocus. Could it be an, a uh, you know issue of depth? Not being able to bring on players late in the game who can shore up the defense, shore up the midfield, and bring the attackers back into the game when, you know, things start getting lost. We'll see how it goes for them going forward. We'll stick to the VAR trend. Let's talk about Orlando City's big comeback against Portland at home. So 16 minutes into this one, Sebastian Blanco goes down in the box, and the referee gives him a second yellow for simulation. So 16 minutes into the game, he's already got two yellows, which might be its own discussion in and of itself because the first yellow was very earned. So he's off. It's 100% a penalty, and Video Review sees this, and Blanco gets brought back on, and the penalty is awarded to Portland. Uh, they got they got it right, and that call changes the complexion of the game because you go from Portland playing with 10 men, 0-0 game, to now suddenly they've got a penalty opportunity. Diego Valeri, one of the better penalty takers in MLS, he puts it away. And Reigning MVP, you got of course he's going to put that one away. A goal on the road for Portland to be able to take control of the game, and it changed everything. But again, I'm okay with it because you look at the replay, it's clearly a penalty. Yeah, I, again, VAR, I think there's the discussion around it is, oh, you know, is it going to slow down the game? Is it going to kind of ruin the pace? I, I don't think that that's the case because when you see these things happen, there's always the argument. There's yelling at the ref. They do all this stuff. The, the play's already stopped. There's no flow to the game when the red card is given, when the penalty is given. Everything stops to go talk to the ref and figure out what happened. So VAR has really only been positive for me recently. Uh, I, I'm struggling to find too many instances recently where it was brought on, if anywhere, it kind of ruined the pace or got it wrong. So it'll make the game a bit longer, but soccer's already one of the shortest professional games out there. I think it'll be okay if a 90-minute game, and again, you're going to tack it on the stoppage time, adds another yeah. minute or two. Yeah, I'm I'm with you 100%. Uh, but you did mention that you've you haven't seen it get it wrong. Well, in this very same game, 79th minute, Orlando City's down two nothing. Chris Mueller comes in as a substitute, and then he scores off a corner kick a few minutes later, and, and so it kind of falls apart for Portland. But one minute later, there's still like the purple smoke in the in the end there because of the Orlando City supporters, mm-hmm. and so to show you how quickly this happened. A penalty is given to Orlando for a foul on Dom Dwyer. Now you go and you back and you look at the replay and you realize it's a total dive by I, Dom Dwyer. I'm not sure it's a dive because there's contact. It's embellishment. Right? No, it is embellishment. The, yes. the contact is so minimal that it on it's a yellow card dive. You th- I mean, so here's the thing: there's dive and then there's trying to deceive the ref. Could be a yellow card for embellishment and deceiving the ref. Maybe the defender looks like he kind of chicken wings out a little bit. And Dwyer goes down like a sack of potatoes. He just not a f- never a foul in my book. I also think that you know, it, it didn't look like he was he knew he wasn't going to get there, so he 
deliberately dives. We've seen dives yeah. recently where it's really obvious. This wasn't. I he goes down super easily, so maybe you could you could see giving him a yellow there. But I I also I agree with you. I don't think it's a penalty. I, and I just say that look, I, for as much as I want to praise VAR and as great as I think it did. This is the kind of thing that somebody's got to point it out to the official and say, well, you may have seen a lot of contact. In reality, the contact is so minimal that not only should it not be a penalty, you need to consider booking this guy. Yeah, and um, I'm going to actually say that this is why we need more VAR. Because I, I'm praising VAR because it's when it's implemented, it's implemented well in my mind. It just wasn't implemented. Yeah, it was so not used. The argument that. is that we need more. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Sacha Kletstein scores the penalty eventually to draw the game level. And then in the 87th minute, Dom Dwyer scores the kind of goal that you expect Dom Dwyer to score, uh, you know, turning his back to goal and bringing the ball back around, placing it past the goalkeeper. So back-to-back wins now for the Lions in crazy comeback fashion, I would say. Good for them at home especially? I mean, let's be it's, – it's a bit of a fortress for them. Uh, they haven't been convincing in any stretch of the imagination – uh, I mean, we're looking at this Portland team. Yeah. What, what is it, two points so two far? Two points. They've been leaky at the back. I will, in their defense, say their home opener is Saturday. I, 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 didn't, I didn't get a chance to look at how many teams have already debuted at home. Obviously, the D.C. Uniteds of the world technically have had a home game, but that's not a home game. Most of them, though. Yeah, most LAFC teams, LAFC hasn't. hasn't had one. The point is, I mean, that that's brutal, and I'm not sure it's getting enough like talk. That's that's a pretty long time to go without a home game. I know you might groan when you hear this, but the Philadelphia Union started pretty similarly last year. It's tough to come back from a start like that. It is. It's like they might be able to make a run. There's some teams in the West that are looking a little shaky towards the bottom, but um, so they could have a chance to make a run. They still have the quality of Valeri and Adi. Um, yeah, it's a quality team, and they, the, again, they're they're home. The home stadium is also kind of a fortress. They do well there. Um, I'm also I'm not sold on either team making a run. I think it was kind of a case of Orlando magic. Yeah, uh, not the basketball team, <laughs> mind no, you. No, no, but no. there there is some magic in that stadium that I think we have to acknowledge. It, it's it's a special place. We got a chance to see it firsthand. And the Orlando Magic will be hoping there's magic in the lottery. The Orlando Magic will be are. hoping that there's just there's any magic at this point. Those just poor people. pure physics. But, just the ball falling down into a hoop is all they need. Not even magic. Oh man! All right. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll leave the Orlando Magic alone. Let's let's go around the rest of the league. New England Revolution four, Montreal Impact zero. Safir Tider got that one. There you go. Sent off thirteen minutes in, and the Revolution completely dominated the game. They had twenty five shots and eight on target. Phenomenal. But the, the stadium was kind of quiet. So I'm going to pose the question to you: If an MLS team wins and no one is there to see it, does it really count? It's one of those like riddles that there's no real answer to. Uh, you'll have to ask uh, Brad Friel because it seems like it's counting him. He's been doing a wonderful job, hasn't he? He seems to have done well with that team. That's with Lee Wynn completely holding them hostage still with very little support, it seems, from ownership or the fans, frankly, anybody. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, he's got some players with some quality. I think it kind of goes to show how bad, and I hate to say this because I, I generally don't like to uh, dump on coaches, but bad Jay Heaps was for them. If they have some, maybe it's just that Brad Friel's that good. But it's a good result against them from the East, Eastern Conference, maybe not rival, but certainly a team that's going to be battling for six. I was going to say, yeah, if, and look, if you're the Revolution and you have playoff hopes, these are the kind of games that, I mean, now you don't expect to win them for nothing and you're not always going to get the red card, which was completely a red card, by the way. He turns around and he sticks his cleats right into the shin of the uh, Revolution player trying to do a, a turn. I'm, I'm not even really sure what he's trying to do there because it's, it's absurd. And we're talking about Tider here, is not that really impressed me much? Blair and Jim Miley came in from the Italian League. Uh, I think he came from Bologna. And, Bologna? Uh, yeah, Bologna. Okay. The, um, I think that they have the same owners or something. It's, it's, it's possible. Uh, because uh, it was Matteo Mancosu who came over. It was Blair and Jim Miley, and now it's Safir Tider. Um, Tider hasn't impressed me as much as the other two. Mancosu has been, you know, decent. He's a decent enough MLS forward. He works really hard. He's a big guy. He's a strong guy. He can hold up the ball. Uh, Jim Miley was a sensation, uh, whether or not you had a chance to really see him blasting goals. Uh, but he was very good for them when they were basically already guaranteed out of the playoffs when he came in. But Tider has not been great for me. And at midfield in general, Ken Kralicki has really not been, been clicking. Uh, and the defense in general looks a little bit lost without Simon. Um, again, you might groan when I say this, but Daniel Lovitz might have been the best defender on that team right now. Uh, you know, I well, won't groan. I, I respect your opinion. Lo- yeah, well, it's the first time I've heard that, but... Uh, uh, you know, I, I like praising him. I, I grew up playing with him, um, and he's. A, I think he's. Been, he's had a quality season, quality start. But they need to do something about that defense. 
Um, and no discredit to Lovett, so I think it's been phenomenal. But Ambrose Ayango was the best left back in the league before him and has gone to France since. So uh, Montreal, li- listen, these are two teams I think that are, I think the f- top five in the East are pretty gar- pretty sure that we're going to get that, that, that position. It's the last spot, teams like Montreal, teams like Orlando and New England that need to these get results like this. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Philadelphia Union won San Jose Earthquakes. One, Alejandro Bedoya, American legend, scores the equalizer in the 64th minute. I think you could also phrase the same question here. MLS team wins and no one's there to see it. Does it really count? Well, they didn't win, I guess. Uh, is it, is if, there's a, if there's here. a draw, and thankfully it wasn't a scoreless draw, because if it had been a scoreless draw, I would have just said if a scoreless draw happens and no one sees it. Was the, there even a game? Like The, the game was, that was an okay match. I don't think you have any reason to watch this game unless you were from San Jose or Philadelphia. Which is why you watched it. Which is why I watched it. Uh, but it was, I mean, we're talking about, you know, it's time to start thinking about the playoffs early. You don't want to be two points in the beginning of the season, and you, you needed a win here. They were going to struggle to find that sixth place with the way teams like Revolution are playing in Orlando getting big results at home. Yeah, it doesn't seem like David Akam has gotten going in his new home just yet. Perhaps a sign that he is declining and the fire made the right decision. Who knows? Well, they're not really doing great on the wings either, so uh, it doesn't seem like any team really came out on the top side of this deal so far. Sticking with the theme of VAR, Harold Cummings got sent off in stoppage time for violent conduct. He swings his arm into a union player. Now, I mean, again, another thing I want for VAR, this kind of stuff has to go away, and VAR should be able to take away a lot of this in the bigger leagues because players for many years have been getting away with elbows and, you know, some swinging at other players. The ref just doesn't see it, right, because he's only, off the ball, he right? can only see so much of the field at once. I'm happy VAR sends off Harold Cummings. My question to Harold Cummings would be why. Yeah, what's the point of this? Yeah, why would you do that? It's uh, horrible. Yeah. Whoever thought Harold Cummings get some big placement on this podcast. But uh, here he is. Uh, I mean, he played a decent game otherwise. Defensively for San Jose, <laughs> we're pretty strong. Yeah, I don't – I've never understood. I guess it's been a frustration. I'm not really – someone who gets like, kind of frustrated on the field. So, um, but, yeah, you know you're on TV. Yeah, you know right, when you do these things, you know ev- they, everyone can say it. They have a bunch of different angles. It kind of goes like Conor McGregor. Like, why would you – you know everyone's filming. And I get maybe he wanted to be seen, but – I, I, let's I not don't compare. think Cummings wanted to be caught in red cards. I was just going to say, I don't, I don't know if I want to compare Cummings and Conor McGregor. But FC Dallas won, Colorado Rapids won, 89th minute equalizer by Christian Coleman. How about that? FC Dallas get an equalizer, an otherwise late, unspectacular late. start to their season. Uh, another game that I think uh, was, wasn't exactly a top-build uh, match for the, for the weekend. You mean it wasn't your game of the week, huh? It was not my game of the week. Uh, lucky there's any goals in this game, really. Uh, Dallas hasn't been impressive, and the Rapids really can only put goals against the lowly Philadelphia Union. So, <laughs> rapidly, <laughs> rapidly they're going to get one on the road. Yeah. All right. Chicago Fire won. Columbus Crew nil. The Fire finally win a game this season and extended their home scoring streak in the regular season, to be clear, because they did get shut out in that playoff game. 35 games in a row now they've scored at home. How about that for that, the lowly fire, even through the wooden spoon There's streamers years. flying, oh. falling from the ceiling, balloons going everywhere. You should see it. It's fantastic. Congrats to Zach Steffen on his first MLS assist. Oh, my goodness. Shocking. What, I'm going to go ahead and ask the goalkeeper's union, what's he doing? I, I love this play from Zach Steffen. <laughs> I know this sounds absurd, but I'm <laughs> all about a goalkeeper who thinks they're a field player. Uh, okay, let's. Yeah, it's a bad pass. You, you can't really. Do, oh, yeah. <laughs> that might be the understatement of the century. Zach Steff, I mean, you expect so much more. I saw the an almost an identical pass in the Tulsa Chicago game in that preseason, uh, the the game I went to this year. The game that no one saw. Except game for that no one was allowed to see except for the 58 people who showed up. <laughs> yes. And me. Uh, it was uh, Cleveland playing goalie that game. Um, it's now uh, Sanchez. And he tries to pass right over the middle, 10-yard pass. Oh. Hospital ball, Ford picks it off and just puts it away. Uh, and we've talked in the past about you don't want your goalie to lose you points, right? Oh, That's like you go. the worst thing you can do. There you go. But I'm going to give him some slack here because Zach Steffen will win them more points than they've lost tonight, today over the course of the season. Yeah, uh, he's a good goalkeeper. It's that's what makes it all the more shocking. Yeah, it's but we, we also know that move. he that he likes passing out of the back. Greg Berhalter likes passing out of the back and possessing. Whether or not I th- I'm not really sure his 
center backs are exactly the best ball players out there. Uh, but they do it. Stefan is kind of the, almost a core of that and kind of glues it together. So, um, And it's a way to expose the crew. We've been a strong team. Yeah. If you can win out of the back like that and you get a one nothing victory, counts as much as a three points of a 4 nil drubbing it's or 5 nil drubbing. It's true. Uh, this was not a pretty game by any stretch for the Chicago Fire. And we, we've talked about this kind of before, right? We talked about, well, what could they do differently to get a different result? I talked about maybe their uh, personnel matches that of having three at the back, but I was kind of concerned as to, you know, three center backs in this team right now is pretty hard to come by. And before the game... The Fire announced the lineup. Their Twitter and their social media page put out the picture of the lineup. And it had Bastion Schweinsteiger listed in the middle of a back three, a back five, however you want to kind of see it. I was stunned. And Emmett and I had a conversation immediately as it came out. And Emmett assured me that there was no way that it was true. And now I'm not throwing Emmett under the bus because I had the same thought. I'm like, it just can't be possible. But I did tweet that if it is true, it's a bold decision by Velko Panovic because that's the type of move that if it doesn't work out, you can alienate your team's uh, most popular player, the fans who, you know, all dozen of them that are still left. <laughs> and, and I mean, my goodness, can you imagine if they had gotten blown out 7 nothing? Like the game had gotten completely out of hand? I mean, you're putting early. your most technical player. Center back, right? In the middle, he's playing as the sweeper role, like the middle mm-hmm. center back of the back three, which is kind of a different role than literally every other position on the field. Making sure that Sanchez isn't your ball player out of the back. It made sense. It makes sense when you consider how good he is with the ball at his feet, mm-hmm. how good he is at connecting lines of players together. But it just, it, you saw it multiple times in this game. Jossi Zardes, uh, Iguain, they both were able to just push him off the ball at will when he was playing in the center of the defense, and that, that's going to continue to happen. Bastian Schweinsteiger, good as he is, one of the things he was not given as a player is, you know, he's never been known for his superior strength, especially at this age where, you know, he's got young, hungry players still coming after him, and he's, you know, just trying to get the ball out. I mean, he's looks like he's well-built, but he's, he's not a, he's a winger. He's a natural winger who has transitioned to center mid, right? Yes. So it's quite a transition to go from winger to center mid to center this back. Is the, this is the transition Wayne Rooney wants to make and is too afraid to make. But he might he might have the strength and, you know... He's got the uh, gut. The, he's the gut to pull it off. But, uh, oh. I mean, give it to Schreinsteiger. How many, yes. how many shots have they gotten so far this year? Uh, that I don't know. This is their first one. So, some credit should be given, I guess. Perhaps Ponovich is a genius. I Look, here's the thing. Perhaps. It's hard to argue. They're undefeated and have yet to concede a goal. With Bastian Schweinsteiger starting the game in the middle of a back three. Now that's you got said, me sold. I'm, now sold. I'm sold. I was sold too. Heck. Right. Yeah. Now to be fair, <laughs> they basically score the goal right off of the horrible pass. Nemanja Nikolic continues to score goals at will. People just want to let him score at this point. Yeah, at this point, why not? You're wondering like set yeah. some records. Maybe send the man back to Europe somewhere nice. Somewhere where he can play in, play in some international competitions. There you go. Other than the World Cup, of course. Yeah. Uh, they So after the goal, they did switch to kind of a 4-3-3, so they get Bastian Schweinsteiger out of it, which I thought was interesting because it basically was done, at least from what I understood, was to do it mirror the Columbus Crew's sort of attacking formation and counter it by having someone pretty much designated for every single space on the field to not allow the, the crew to kind of do what they want. It wasn't pretty because, again, they show, they deserve so much better. The crew played in the second half. They they really should have scored at least once, maybe twice or, or three times. Jossie's artist puts one off the post, you know, bringing the nightmares that all the crew fans had when they brought him in, probably to real life there because I'm sure plenty of people were imagining those kinds of finishes coming. Might be more in the future as well. It might be. So the fire get the lead. They batten down the hatches, and they just they hold on now again. I am not against the idea of the fire becoming this defensive stalwart that just decides we're going to go up one nothing and then we're just going to kick people the rest of the game. I'm down because at this point it seems like it may be the best option. Here's the one hole in that problem. You have, like, what's what's your defensive line? Ellis? At the moment, I believe it is from left Kappelhoff. to right. Vincent, Kappelhoff, Ellis, and I, I would have to say this, uh, Drew Connor. Until everyone yeah. comes back from injury, I think Drew Connor has he's, absolutely earned the right to play right back. He's not a bad right back. We talked about it last week, I think. I saw him in that uh, in that Tulsa game. I'm like, oh, Emmett's talking about the Tulsa game again. <laughs> Emmett's talking about this game that he wins. Yeah, I, I bet he thinks he's really exclusive having watched this. But um, he was good right back there, and he got an assist. Uh, he works hard. He's a gritty player. He put in a hard tackle at some yeah. point in this game. I can't remember who he did it to, but I tell you what. 
that right there might have sold Paunovic on him because, and it sold me on him too because my goodness, this team lacks a lot of nastiness. And I think he's the kind of guy you like having on the field for you know, at least 20, 30 minutes in a game because he's got a lot of energy. He runs nonstop. He's a gritty player. He puts in those yeah, tackles. You need that. At and let's back. be real, he's not. A, he's not bad technically. He's no. not. A, he's not just a bruiser out there. He's. He's a pretty solid player. So. Uh, I'm glad they're finding a use out of him in a hole. They certainly have it right back there until Polster gets back. That's true. Uh, Diego Campos as well gets a shout-out from me because I thought that he played uh, fairly well in this game in that central midfield role. No Alexander Katai. Kind of, is it possible now? Because no Rafael Ramos as well. Velko Panovic sending a message, if you're not good enough, you're not going to play, no matter what. Yeah, that's, that's certainly possible. I'd say it's fair because to this right. point, Neither of those players, uh, Ramos and Katai, have kind of proven their worth. And, uh, I mean, so Ramos has had that one game, it was the Minnesota game, I believe, uh, where he kind of just got uh, beat on that last goal. Um, yeah, shocker. But to, to be fair, both fullbacks did, but it, both fullback, the fullback position this season has been up and down. You know, Vincent's offensive yeah. contributions kind of hide his defensive liabilities, but Ramos has offered basically nothing to this team so far. But I think Vincent has defensive qualities. It's just he that he's sacrificing him to be more offensive, and it's paying off in certain ways. Uh, Ramos, I, I just don't think we've seen enough of him at all to make a really good judgment. That's fair. On the other hand, Valko Panovic certainly has seen enough of him from training and preseason and all this stuff to be able to say, yeah, you got to do better, you got to prove it in training. And it might be the same thing with Katai. I mean, he's had problems, I don't want to say with attitude, but problems with coaches. Uh, he had he had a problem with a an Olympiakos, with um, uh, oh, it's the it's the Barcelona coach. The for, he's a one of the former Barcelona coaches of recent, uh, and he, he he didn't play a single game for like for like four years. He didn't play a single game, and uh, what happened to you? Yeah, and then well then you know he went back to Serbia to some country and he actually played a little bit better uh, at Red Star Belgrade, uh, so. We'll see if he, if it's another problem with him. I mean, maybe does he have a translator? I know he doesn't really speak much English. Perhaps there's a little loss I haven't of translation. Heard, I haven't heard too much about him. I mean, you know, we're still not there with MLS. I think where people are like, "Why is this guy on the bench?" And then you know, Volkopanovic can just be like, "Well, because I said so." And then, you know, nobody gets to go to Katai and be like, "Hey, you know, why are you on the bench?" And he gets to do a twenty minute rant like To in his driveway or something. Yeah, well, I'm kind of glad we don't have a To in their driveway. Well, that's that's uh, pretty fun. Actually. I don't know. There's a lot of tons in the it. league now. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Real Salt Lake 2, Vancouver Whitecaps 1. I could not find a single interesting detail about this one, so we're just going to skip ahead. LA Galaxy 0, Sporting Kansas City 2. Don't look now, but Sporting Kansas City are on top of the Western Conference and are second only to Atlanta in the whole league in goals scored. Pretty incredible for a team that uh, consisted of mostly defense last season and got rid of their top striker midway through. Felipe Gutierrez has five goals this season. He didn't even play in this game. They're finding ways to score goals at will. This, this, this Look team out for is, this Kansas City team. This is a good team. Uh, we, you know, we talked earlier about that we worried about them giving up all these goals. We had that win <laughs> in Chicago. Now they win in L.A., a team that just scored four goals exactly. in the second half of their last game. Uh, so they're showing their defense is still there. they still got Melia and Besler and Opara. Uh, Don't forget San Susi. Susi's been very good at right back, of course. He's under the man bun. I kind of like that. <laughs> um, but, look, their attack is now it's young, it's exciting, and it's bringing new levels to it. They, they, they got Gutierrez. Uh, they, they got Shallowy, who uh, put in a goal in that game. Uh, Madronda's playing, like, left back, but is barging forward, like, into the 90th minute. Uh, they, they just have all these elements of players I think are very underrated. Uh, Kyrie Shelton is making a name for himself there. I thought he was exciting at New York City, but never really developed at all. Uh, could, been... could, could we, you know, say that they're favorites to win the West right now? Well, right now it's getting kind of hard to argue, but, uh, you know, the, the West does have a lot of teams that are going to take some points off of them at some point this season. A lot I of think variables. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, they, you know, their travel is a little different than everyone else's because while they don't really have too many teams near them, at the same time, they also don't have to go as far. Being right, being smack, right kind of in the middle. smack in the middle. They have one of the better home field advantages in all of MLS because that place can go stadium, rocking. Yeah. Shout out to Tim Mealy as well. You see why he was goalkeeper of the year last season. Ten saves? Some of them were, you know, the usual, oh, you know, the guy tapped it on accident, you know, went towards the goal, so it's counted as a save. He had a great game in between the posts. I thought, he, you know, you're going you're gonna to throw this back in my face as being a goalkeeper. But it was a good game, but it, I, 
I'm going to jump forward a little bit. I thought Alex Bono had a better game last night. Uh, but, but I don't see Melia stretch that much. He was real solid. He bobbled it a couple times, though. Uh, there were a couple times it where... It wasn't perfect, but... Where, yeah, no, ten, listen, 10 saves is 10 saves. The guy's <laughs> a quality goalkeeper. But when, when he was at, like, 7 or something, and the announcers were talking, oh, he's got 7 saves, he's doing such a good game. Like, two of the last three were kind of just dribblers into him that he just kind of fell on and picked up. Uh, so I, I mean I don't want to take credit away from him. Again, ten saves is ten saves. He's a quality goalkeeper. But and on the other side, the team producing those ten shots, this is about as close to LA Galaxy's uh, full strength lineup as I think we've we've seen so far this season, including mm-hmm. Zlatan now. Uh, Sebastian Legit, you would think is probably going to start over Pontius or yeah probably over probably Pontius. probably Pontius. So that, that's and of course Giovanni dos Santos is not in this lineup either. I suppose you can make the argument that. At some point, you know, they're going to want to bring Giovanni Dos Santos back into this line. They're paying him too much money to have him sitting on the bench. I, I don't know how much longer Ola Kamara is going to be able to hold off Zlatan. Zlatan clearly is not fit for 90 minutes, so that may be the only thing keeping him out of the starting 11 now because let me just say this. Their attack looks kind of toothless with him out there, and then you brought Zlatan in, and the game goes crazy, and people were like, oh, see, he creates chaos wherever he goes. Want me to remind you the game was 2 nothing. The game always spirals out of control when you're just attacking. The game does naturally become more free-flowing because, mm-hmm. you know, you've kind of entered the point of 2 nothing of, well, might as well go forward and see what happens. It's not like our goal difference is going to matter at the end of the season. Exactly. Might as well go for it. Might so, as well. I, again, Zlatan's influence cannot be understated, but this is kind of what I was expecting when it came time for Zlatan to enter the Galaxy team. He does not fix the problems they have defensively, and if he's not on the field, him as the target man is less effective because it's clear to me that they have a decent midfield that is failing to create solid chances to score. When you have 10 shots and you can't put any of them away... And that's what I was kind of saying about Melia. Is he, they, they really weren't great chances that L.A. Uh, earned. Uh, they kept looking for Zlatan at the back post to head back across, and he won most of them, but couldn't get on the other end it's, of it. Uh, we'll see. Because, I mean, again, they were chanting, we want Zlatan again. They got their Zlatan, but... They got it, it but this time... I don't know if it was the same Zlatan that they had last week. Yeah. Well, speaking of chants, and, you know, D.C. United... With their new stadium, they it looked like we were finally going to get some kind of buzz around them, but we were thinking, well, man, a really bad team opening that stadium. Who knows how that'll go? Well, it's, apparently, D.C. United may be under new ownership by the time that happens because billionaire Patrick Soon Xiong is set to invest in D.C. United, apparently valuing the franchise at $500 million. I don't, I, I don't think I need to tell anybody how important that is, but if you want some context, Forbes valued the L.A. Galaxy at $315 million last season. So that's a pretty big jump, if I would do say so myself. Uh, DC United was around $230 million last season. So suddenly things have gotten very interesting in MLS land, in DC. Interesting indeed. DC going from bottom of the barrel to quite attractive now. It's like the hot girl that takes off her glasses at the end of the movie. Uh, though, we're talking about... <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, come on, that's a classic trope. We're talking, about, though, about uh, the Galaxy. Maybe not anymore. Uh, they're priced more than the Galaxy now, right? $500 million? Well, to be fair, the valuations will need to come out again this season to find out how much the Galaxy are worth. Now, it, the, people are saying it's the stadium, it's the fact that they're building a training facility. Like, the, the assets, I think they said the team it's itself a, it's is only worth, like, $85 million. I think they once you get rid of the stadium, which is, like, $300 million, like... A lot of their assets are kind of what's building this up, but I mean, look, every team should have a training facility at some point. They, they should all be. If you want to be a serious team, yes, exactly. So they're all going to get that. The stadiums, more and more, we're getting these stadiums, like Orlando City, like Audi Field, like Bank of California. I can go on the uh, Allianz Field. This is going to keep happening. And the value of these products going higher and higher means that the buy-in for the league is getting higher and higher. More money in the league is always a good thing. Well, the, the buy-in has gone from, like, something like $50 million, not, not too long ago to, like, I think Nashville's was, like, $230 million. Oh, it's fantastic. I love it. And, oh, yeah, that's some good money right Oh, yeah, there. well, I mean, look, uh, it just means maybe somebody will buy the fire. Can a, can, a, can a billionaire please take interest in the fire, please? Well, they got to wait a couple of years and build a new stadium. Well, then, but they don't have to wait. They can still buy now and get interesting build now. Build the stadium first and no, then buy. No, 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 no. <laughs> we don't need to wait for that. Uh, suddenly, D.C. United, that the new owners, the new stadium could be a talking point. Grant Wall reports that they want to bring in two DPs this summer, one of whom could apparently be the much maligned but always interesting Mario Balotelli, who's currently... Uh, 
practicing his craft in Nice. Uh, that would be quite the addition for DC, who seems to have been struggling to get uh, a, a real big name in the past few years. Yeah, the, the, the team that really was a stalwart in early MLS has kind of fallen on hard times, I think is frankly putting it nicely. Yeah, it, indeed. I mean, they, they have a couple quality players, Luciano Costa, talk about their other DP, uh, Paul Areola. <laughs> when that's your only DP, though, that's just... Let's be real. He, I, I've never really been super impressed with him with the uh, national team. I don't think I've got enough impressions with him at the club level. I thought he was good at Tijuana. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's, he's fast. He's quick. I don't know how crafty he is. Um, but uh, they, they certainly need someone he can, you know, serve to. I'm not sure if Patrick Mullins is doing the job up top. No. Uh, they, they, you know, it, it's a rebuilding process, it seems, for them. Yeah, but that's buzz, and that's what they need, buzz. Fill yeah, that stadium that's, every week. That's going to be huge for them. Yes. Speaking of filling stadiums, the New York Red Bulls did not do that in the Champions League last night, but instead it was kind of Chivas who filled the stadium and ended up taking the result that they needed, a 0-0 draw. The New York Red Bulls, like they dominated the game. It was something crazy. They had 16 shots. They didn't convert any of them. It, the beginning 30 minutes was, I think, I thought to myself when I was watching that if they don't get a goal in this first half, they might never find one because it just it happens so often that you come out of the gates, guns blazing, everything seems to be going your way except the goal. And when that happens, you lose the energy, and before you know it, the clock starts working against you and you get more and more desperate. And I think it's what happened here. The New York Rebels never found the back of the net, and because of it, they're going to find themselves out of the competition. They almost look desperate. They like, did. Well, I mean, you need to get a, desperate to get a goal, but they look, they look like they're out of ideas. Like they, they were struggling to you know, play to their signature style, like they were forcing the issue and not really, you know, playing that high-octane, high-press. I mean, they, they were pressing up, they are trying to win the ball, but it was so direct. And the Red Bulls can be direct at times, but they can also know when to stop, put it sideways, pass it around and open up the defense. And they never really looked to be pushing for that, it looked like in the second half. Um, it, and let's be real, this is classic Red Bulls. <laughs> Past few years in MLS, they've been a fantastic team. And then it comes time for the... For the big time, and they just they can't find it. And it's almost always the semifinals, yes. except except maybe yeah. last year. Last year it wasn't. Okay. But it, they almost always make it to like the semi or the quarterfinals, and they just don't put any they don't put anything on the field. You're thinking if they just keep playing the way they do, they're they they gotta go through. They've been playing great. They have to get a goal, right? No, nope, but you don't have to. I mean, to get you an idea here, across two legs, the expected goals they're, they're much maligned and much loved, depending on who you are, stat in soccer right now. Two point eight seven goals for the Red Bulls. 0.63 expected goals for Chivas. Now, credit where credit is due for Chivas as well. Their league form has been questionable. They're probably going to miss out on the playoffs in Liga Mackeys. But in the Champions League, they have grinded out result after result. They were down one nothing to Seattle after the first leg, and they went home. And yes, it was Seattle without Lodero. And yes, it was Seattle kind of you know on the brink of their collapse that we're kind of seeing the results of now. Still, I think credit has to be given to them. That's a team that's not been playing well. There's reports out there that the players are not getting paid uh, the amount of money that they feel they need to be getting paid. They feel as though they like they had a long layover in Houston on their way to New York. Like Everything that could possibly be going wrong with this team is going wrong. And yet, they find a way to stand together and stay solid defensively because that's what you have to do in that kind of game. And I, I credit where it's due because it's, everyone always talks about, oh, I want to play the defensive style and I don't want to concede and we're going to hit them on the counter. It's another thing to do it, and they did it. And maybe not the part about the counter, but they didn't really need to. Yeah, uh, it's. I'm surprised Seattle and Red Bulls never really seemed to show up in the games they needed to. And Chivas, you know, kind of been playing to that level of just, if you're not going to show up, we'll take you down. They will. They will. Speaking of taking things down, Michael Bradley and Josie Altidore decided that tanking the United States of America wasn't enough. They also have to go other, go after my beloved Club America, who uh, probably should have played better. I think it was, frankly, in the first leg, the result of arrogance on the part of Miguel Herrera. I think that he his comments made it very clear what he thinks of MLS. He's talking about how Liga Mekis competes with Europe. Whereas MLS is, you know, kind of an afterthought to him. And then before the second, like he says, MLS spends too much money. Which is it, Miguel? I don't know. I mean, it can be both. Look at China. <laughs> China. China. I don't think you could say that they're competing with Europe and not spending money. 
it's I, whatever the case is. I think it was a result of arrogance in the first one, and then in the second one. Look, last night again, Club America dominated that game. Now the difference between this, the legs here would be that uh, obviously the first leg was a much higher scoring affair, but more importantly, Toronto got their away goal. They canceled out Club Americas, and they made it very difficult. They they essentially forced three goals to be scored, which isn't the craziest thing that would have ever happened in that stadium. But they couldn't find it. And, again, my credit to Toronto because they went in there clearly with the game plan that they were going to defend. They lose Josie Altidore early in the game. They still find a way goal. They still stay composed. Nobody panics. They don't even give up a goal until, like, like the last minute of the game because of a, uh, a penalty call. Which might have been some saving grace from the ref, you think? Uh, it was a penalty, I think. But, I mean, you know, at that point it was like, oh, who cares anymore? Yeah, exactly. And honestly, like, if he had let it go, I don't know that anybody would have complained. Well, it was, was kind of that point I mean, in the game. Toronto almost played with, like, Five, they played a four-five-one. They, they, I mean, they soaked up all the pressure all night. I, my Can't credit goes the to ball. the Univision commentator. I have no idea what his name is. Doing it in Spanish. My credit to him because I mean, he made this thing sound like it was Game Seven of the NBA Finals. The ball, like in terms of just the way that the ball moves so much quicker in basketball, right? You know, we have to call quick play-by-play. Whereas in soccer, you know, there's a lot of time to let the game breathe. This man did not breathe all night. I could have sworn it was, if I don't speak Spanish, let me, bre- let me preface that, but I could have sworn he was just speaking in one long run-on sentence for the whole game. <laughs> like I do on this podcast sometimes. That time, but, you know, coming to be real, it was like 90 minutes of it. That's true. I don't That's know much if you could go 90 minutes uh, of a we're run-on on 40 sentence. Here. We're on 40. Uh, 15 shots for Club America last night, 7 on target. Great saves by Alex Bono. You mentioned but before. My credit to him as well. He played a great game. That was, that was a phenomenal game. That's the kind of games you love to see. Yeah. Um, I know you don't want to talk about this, but I think there was a red card. Uh, an <laughs> oh, elbow from, my uh, who, who was it, who was it? Uh, uh, I don't know that we ever remembered who it was. Um, it was a dirty play. We couldn't find the clip. Yeah, it was a, it was a late elbow. I think a lot of, it breezes by a lot of people, but a lot of times these, these att- brutal and deliberate attacks from the <laughs> goalkeepers go unnoticed. And it's one of those things that if it happened in the outfield, it would be a red card. Bono goes up, he catches the ball quite cleanly. The Club America player runs right past him and elbows him in the head as he comes down. And I can't help but think that he's not making any attempt to go for the ball. He's barely even jumping for it. If this was in the, if this was in the outfield and you had someone going up, and Michael Bradley goes up and heads the ball away, and a Club America player jumps past him and elbows him in the head on the way back, I think it might be a bit more of an argument that I'd be hearing from the fans. Uh, as a member the of the strike force, fans. I'm just going to go ahead and say my official statement on the matter is he got concacaft. Actually, I will accept that statement. Yeah. So that leaves that leaves Toronto and Guadalajara to face off in the final two legs starting next week in Toronto. I believe it's been set for April 17th and April 25th. They both kind of had similar paths here. They've had to grind out a lot of big results. Uh, Toronto, I think would have to be given the mantle of more impressive, just in the sense that they've knocked off a team that many consider the best on the continent in Tigres, one of the, well, in my opinion, the biggest club in Mexico, Club America, and now they have a chance to take down the second biggest in Chivas in a final, bring home MLS its first ever Champions League crown, not to the United States, but to MLS. And that's all that really matters now. Canada's been probably putting a better performance in the CONCACAF. Yeah, right, the Montreal impact of the last run. team that made it into the final. I do, again, you know, the Club America thing, if you're not familiar, the, the rivalry that those two teams have, Chivas and Club America, is that of, you know, epic proportions. Do you think the Clasico between Real Madrid and Barcelona is serious? I mean, you would not know. I mean, you would think that there were, like, I, I want to I not get into, like, the land of exaggeration. Let's hear a really good hyperbole. cliche for this. A cliche? A really good oh, the, cliche about it. A, a cliche. It's like, two, it's like the, fam, the feuding families in Romeo and Juliet. Could it be more like the feuding families and family feud? Uh, Which one's that, Steve Harvey? Yeah, Steve <laughs> Harvey is the is the commissioner getting paid a lot of money, whatever, like the president of Liga Mekis who just loves to watch it's, it because he knows it makes money for it's him. It's the CONCACAF ref that just lets everything play as I'm, people are elbowing back and forth and headbutting. So so my, my point to bring this all up is that if it sounds like I'm bitter, I am. And... It was difficult to watch the two men, Josie Altador, and uh, who didn't play much last night, but and Michael Bradley, who had a good game himself, derail one of my own teams after I feel helping derail the national team. But again, my um, credit where it is due. Only to support that of the most heinous of nations, Canada. Yeah, Sorry, true. Canadians. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I will certainly be throwing my support behind Toronto. Yeah, uh, well, that's because you just could never root for. Chiefs. Well, no, I, I could never do never. that. Never. Never. Doesn't matter who they're playing. Nope. Let's jump over to Europe, another completely different continent, hopefully to something a little more pleasant. Congratulations 
to Bayern Munich for winning the Bundesliga. No one saw this coming before the season started. No one. Yeah, shocker, really. <laughs> Champions League. Liverpool do eliminate Manchester City uh, in what I would think is a shocker. Uh, the bigger one, though, but of the day. an actual shocker this time. <laughs> the, 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 the bigger one would be Roma beating Barcelona 3-0 at home to advance to the first semifinal Champions League in club history. The seemingly untouchable Barcelona fell. Amazing scenes in Rome. Unbelievable. I, I still can't believe that it happened because that's uh, that's the team that everyone, I think, wanted to draw going into this round. Roma, right, yeah. Roma. I, Sevilla had proved that they could do it against uh, Manchester United. Maybe they had a little bit more uh, going for them going into it. Uh, Roma barely got past Shakhtar Donetsk. But they just put in a, a, quite a performance at home. They put in a shift. A lot of heart. Uh, that big back line of Manolas and Fazio... Daniele De Rossi still got the... I don't, can't believe he's still playing. I mean, Buffon is a goalkeeper, so I can see him going to 40. But Daniele De Rossi, something's in the water there because Tati made it to 40. De Rossi <laughs> might make the, it the to Italian 40. Italian way, just preserve to the bitter end. It's, they're well made in Italy. That's, it's, that's all I can say. They make things they well. Do. They do. Then today, things as if things couldn't get any crazier, Bayern Munich do advance against Sevilla. Uh, I think Sevilla probably will deserve some credit for keeping Bayern Munich scoreless in this one, even if it was up to Sevilla to score two goals. The other one, Real Madrid surrendered three goals to Juventus, and it seems like it's destined for extra time. We're into stoppage time, and Benatia goes through Lucas Vasquez. And Buffon, now, so not only is it bad enough because they've given the penalty, and, and I think we both agree on this, it was a penalty. Mm-hmm. Absolutely a yeah. penalty because he goes right through him. Buffon loses his mind, like makes contact, physical contact with the referee, and gets sent off for it, which, again, absolutely deserved. But I think as a captain, as a man of Buffon's stature, you can't do that. It was appalling. It was shocking. I couldn't believe he did as it. As a guy who always seems so calm, he's always the mediator. He's always the guy sorting stuff out. He's, he's like that uh, elder statesman who's kind of like, you know, you know, pushing people away, making sure everything's understood. As the captain par- should. Parlaying with the referee and other team. He goes ballistic. He absolutely lost it. And I mean, look, to he a must not extent, have seen the shit challenge because that was a penalty. I can, I can say this. I understand the frustration because, I, I mean, Real Madrid going up against them has is, is got to be one of the more frustrating things in life because it seems like no matter what, they always seem to get the job done. And now here you are thinking you're just 30, you know, just a couple minutes away for 30 extra minutes where if you score any goal, it's going to require Real Madrid to score two and you think you're in the driver's seat. And then the call happens, and I, I, I get the frustration, right, because the, the narrative always sort of be the bigger teams get the best calls. This is not the case of that, though. This is clearly a penalty, and Buffon, I, you got to get back in the net and just, I mean, you got to do it. You either got to try to stop it, and then if you want to get sent off afterwards, then I guess be my guest. Here's a good conspiracy theory for you. Buffon knew Chesney was a better penalty stopper <laughs> so he than he was. But, so, can... but he knew the coach, would, Massimiliano Allegri, would never sub off Buffon for this. So he <laughs> does it for him. He's managing from the field. Oh, now that's gosh. quite the theory. Now that it? would be something. I mean, Chesney, heck of a goalie to bring off off the bench, though. He's been doing, he's been done great. He's been done great in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's really picked up in Italy after leaving Arsenal. Uh, he's really made a name for himself. He's a little common theme there at Arsenal. Yeah, he's looked like, you know, the the successor to Buffon. Yes. And it would have been is. something else if he had saved it. Ugh. What quite a story that would have been, but Ronaldo made... Uh, it's a no great penalty mistake. by Ronaldo. No, put no, no mistake by Ronaldo. I, Chesney guesses the right direction. It's just not, it's just not humanly he possible. Guesses, think, he doesn't even that. guess low. He guesses pretty high, too. Yeah. And, but, <laughs> Puts it right past be, him. Let's be real. Let's... So there you go. Four teams in the Champions League left. Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Liverpool. You say Real Madrid yet? Yes. Bayern Munich, Liverpool. Roma. Roma. How could we forget the great <laughs> we Roma? We just forgot Roma. Oh my what goodness. are we thinking for the draw? I would, well, here's the thing. I was kind of looking for a Clasico between Real Madrid and Barcelona, so now that that's not possible, I'm down for a rematch between Bayern Munich and Real Madrid. I want to see that because I think a Roma. Liverpool or Roma in the final. Exactly. That's would another be I want to guarantee one of those teams in the final, yeah, cuz it'd be fun different team in the final for once. But knowing UEFA, it'll probably be Bayern Munich against uh Roma. Against Roma and Liverpool against Real Madrid. Which let's be real. That's what I'm predicting. Those will be those will be great those games. Those are great games too, by the way, regardless. Yeah. Uh okay, so let's uh close this thing out. If you count tonight's game between NYCFC and Real Salt Lake, all 23 teams are in action this weekend in MLS including a double dose of NYCFC as they play tonight and then Sunday in Atlanta as well. Speaking of tonight's game, you better watch it. 
Not because I think it's going to be great, but because it's the last ever MLS Live game. ESPN Plus is launching tomorrow, meaning you'll have to pay $5 a month to get the all the out-of-market MLS action you crave. And, uh, I, you know, ESPN Plus seems like it's, it's some good value for your buck. You get a lot of competitions. If you're an American soccer fan, you get MLS, you get USL. To be clear, out-of-market. You have to be out of market. You don't get your home team's games with this, unless because, you're the fire. Unless, it, well, and now we're, you know, we're kind of dumping on that decision before, but... Hey. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense if you're in Chicago. Like, I, I'll be honest, I think I might be subscribing. Oh, good, good, good. That means I won't have to. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you my account. Don't okay. worry about Sounds it. Sounds good. Uh, you can also get a 30-day free trial for ESPN+, Plus as long as you sign up within the first seven days, so starting tomorrow and then through the 18th. Uh, that should be good if you want to try it out and take it for a spin. I don't see any reason why not. Uh, 30 and, more days you know, of free MLS action. Maybe I can be cheap and not buy it and just use it for the first 30 days then change my name 10 times. I, no, but that only, it says right there you can only use for seven days. If you don't sign up in the first seven days, you don't get a 30-day trial. You're always poking holes in my plans, okay. aren't you, Eric? <laughs> I'm just trying. No, I think I'm, 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 I'm going to buy it. It seems like it's going to be a quite a quality service if you're an American soccer fan. <laughs> this was not paid for by ESPN, I promise. Nobody listens to this. I just like. I just us. want people to get excited about I do, soccer. I do want them to get excited, and so that's why... Go see a Chicago on. Fire game, Please, Well, not this weekend, though, because it's sold out. Uh, national TV games, another reason why I do this. You know, watch the games on national TV. You might not get to watch every team every week, so you know this is your opportunity. Friday, Philadelphia Union, a team never on national TV, taking on Orlando City at home. Let's 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Let's be real. The only reason this is a national game is because it's on Friday. Can't disagree with that. Though the Union did blow up Orlando last year in the last game of the season. I think it was 6-1. Don't think that'll happen again, let's be honest. Saturday, Chicago Fire versus LA Galaxy. Zlatan comes to Bridgeview. Who would have ever thought Zlatan would ever step foot in Bridgeview, let alone play? That is quite the statement because I'm surprised I ever stepped foot in Bridgeview. (laughs) Uh, Fun fact, I will also be at that game covering it for Prost America. So, you know, maybe I'll get a chance to see Zlatan face-to-face and see how good his English is. That'll be interesting. 3.30 Eastern on Univision. You can actually watch this on television by the way, too. Uh, without any cable subscription or anything, that's over the air. Also on Twitter. So apparently you don't even need a TV to watch this. That's yeah, a good advertisement for Twitter then, isn't it? <sighs> Somebody should start paying me for these plugs. Sporting Kansas City versus Seattle Sounders on Sunday now, 4 p.m. Eastern ESPN, Atlanta United versus NYCFC, 6 p.m. Eastern FS1. That's the one I'm looking at right there. Again, another team having to go into that fortress in Atlanta. Will NYCFC be any different than the rest who have come before them? I think this is the first time we're agreeing for the game of the week. I'm with you on that one. Atlanta has been great at home. NYCFC, great on the road and great altogether. I think this is going to be their first massive challenge of the season. I'm excited for that one. Yep. Excited for sun- both Sunday's games. I mean, Seattle's been bad, but I like watching Sporting Kansas City play. And the league has been listening because, again, if you count tonight's game, all 23 teams are in action, and even if you don't, you're only missing out on Real Salt Lake. Which, uh, well, I think, I think we will count this one because if you do fantasy MLS like me, <laughs> it's the all other... Match week know, seven, right? There are dozens of us. Dozens. Dozens. Uh, you get a double game week if you have New York City players. So I hope you stacked up on them because uh, they got a lot of... It's going to be tough playing Wednesday in the altitude and then going into Atlanta uh, in that atmosphere. So tough week for New York City. That'll be a defining moment. Yep. All right. Thanks for listening this week. Again, we'll be back Wednesdays probably for the foreseeable future. Be sure to give our podcast a five-star rating on iTunes because you can listen to it on iTunes if you can believe that, as well as subscribe so you don't miss another episode. Wouldn't want to do that now, would we? No, you would not. Thanks for listening. Until next time.